Hello, I am Joshua P. Warren, and this is Joshua P. Warren Daily. A few years ago, I asked for people all over the world to please send me their true creepy experiences. All subjects were game. The only requirement was, again, has to be true, something that happened to you, and it has to be short. And boy, I got flooded with amazing stories from all over the world. And so I compiled them into this wonderful anthology published under the title, It Was a Dark and Creepy Night. Uh, That book has been quite popular and it's just a wonderful time of year to grab a copy of that and read it when the sun goes down. Maybe one of these days I'll sit down and do an audiobook version of that as well. Um, but it's, you know, very digestible little tales. And, you know, I have spent over 25 years getting emails from people telling me about their, their stories, letters, interviewing people. I think I've got a pretty good knack for determining when someone's being honest and and when they might be stretching the truth a bit. And uh, I think that all the stories that made the final cut for this book, I think they were all true accounts. And there are plenty of them that come to mind, but there's one in particular I want to talk about today. I was sent a story from a man who told me about an experience he had that began in 1997 in Minneapolis, Minnesota. He and his girlfriend rented the top of this big, old, beautiful duplex. And they, at first, were really happy uh, to live in a place that had um, some kind of, I don't know, antique sense about it. They lived there for a total of three years, but right off the bat, after they moved in, they started having odd experiences. The first really outstanding one was, uh, well, he said his girlfriend, she often worked the late shift at her job, so they had kind of odd schedules, and she came into the bedroom one morning, and uh, he woke up, and she said, why is there a butcher knife in the bathtub? And he said, huh? Yeah, why is there a butcher knife in the bathtub? And he had no idea. And so, you know, they laughed it off and made up jokes. It was just one of those really odd things that, you know, they just couldn't possibly explain. Well, a month or so later, the same thing happened. Once again, the butcher's knife that they had in the kitchen the butcher knife ended up in the bathtub. And it was just as inexplicable the second time. Well, he said that over the following three years, this continued to occur. That sometimes the butcher's knife or the butcher knife would end up in the uh, the sink. On one occasion, it ended up in the toilet. But finally, toward the end of their stay, they would wake up occasionally and find that the butcher knife was at the foot of their bed. And that was particularly 
troubling to them, of course. So when they finally decided to move out, which I think you and I both would agree was a good idea, once you start finding a butcher knife at the foot of your bed, right? When they finally decided to move out after three years, they threw kind of a party. And there was a couple of fellows who lived downstairs who had lived there for years and years and years. And uh, they, they hadn't really interacted with them that much, but they came to the party. So at the party, they asked the fellows, do you ever have anything odd happen in you know, your unit? And the guy said, no, not really. You know, why do you ask? And so he told them about this business with the butcher knife popping up in all these odd places, especially the bathroom. And he said that those fellas kind of looked at each other and they started getting goosebumps. And then one of them said, well, since you're moving out, I guess we may as well tell you. In 1968... (laughs) Here we go. Don't you love it when stories begin that way? In 1968, the landlord's mother committed suicide in the bathtub with a butcher knife. Now, when you hear a story like that, and I mean, honestly, if you're the type of person who gets a shiver or a cold chill then you know you 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 ought to have gotten one there um when you hear stories like that that wrap up in a nice little package uh it does make you wonder what 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 are we to learn from this like what's the lesson what's the moral what what was happening here i mean if, if we take this seriously what was happening here And the thing is, that story is not just some kind of an isolated story. I mean, I have heard similar types of reports for decades about some kind of a physical object that, as it turns out, seems to represent something very traumatic or tragic or terrible or whatever that happened, and this object just sort of has a mind of its own it almost appears you know so what do we learn from this well okay let's let's break this down let's let's take this seriously well let's look at one possibility you might think right off the bat well okay this woman got this butcher knife she went into the bathroom she killed herself under obvious incredible duress mental duress and um then that was the end of it but it was so uh it made such an impression that somehow you know this plays out over and over which is what we would call like an imprint but that doesn't really make sense in this case because if this were the product of an imprint for example that incident were playing out over and over and it just so happens that this butcher knife which is you know in the same or or similar spot um, gets caught up in it well then you would expect it to just always end up in the bathtub you know if that's where the original butcher knife ended up in the bathtub why would it keep switching places and then sort of migrate eventually toward the foot of the bed uh, so an imprint or a residual type thing doesn't make sense in this context because it wasn't always the same exact thing so let's just scrap that <laughs> 
All right, so now let's look at some other possibilities. Number one is that maybe this woman killed herself, but she does not realize that she accomplished the goal. Maybe when she died, it didn't look like or feel like or appear like she was expecting. And so therefore, she keeps trying. Maybe she doesn't even think she's dead. I mean, for one thing, you have to realize that she was in some kind of extreme state of mind to even do this. So we don't know what her perspective on the world was even while she was alive, much less how it might be now that she's dead. And again, you know, physically dead. But even though she's physically dead, if if death does not look to her like she was thinking or feel like she was thinking it would, then that's why I say maybe she's still at it. You know, her restless spirit is still in there trying to get that butcher knife and do something with it to kill herself. Um, I think that's a real possibility. You know, it reminds me when I, um, I'm going to have a special little Halloween party later this year and uh, here in Las Vegas for a very small group of people. And I, uh, I'm going to show some footage of ghosts that are very obviously imprints that are stuck in the past. And those do the same thing over and over and over again. And they're interacting with the environment they lived in when it was the past, you see, as opposed to what the environment looks like today. And I really, uh, I don't think you can say that's, you know, we're dealing with that here. So that's, again, one possibility. This woman is an, an active spirit. She, she continues trying to fulfill this deed. Second possibility is that there is something in that house that does not want people there and it is encouraging them to commit suicide oh boy I just got the goosebumps again did you um why would there be something like that in the house I don't know I don't know. I mean, I, I don't know the story of the house. I don't know the details more than what I've told you. I only have this report that this man sent me for this book. But maybe other things have happened in the history of that house. Maybe things have happened on that property going back God knows how far. And so perhaps there is something about that entire area that resists having you know people around at least certainly that particular part of that building and so it might be a very old-fashioned spirit that's you know that, that feels oh the best way to to kill yourself is just to take a butcher knife and cut your vein so that is another option but I can't think of any other good reason that it makes sense to me for something like this to happen. I do, however, know 
that ghostly activity can certainly include the manipulation of objects. Um, you may have heard me tell this story before, but the, you know, the first time I encountered this, it was one of those profound things. I've had about you know, three or four moments in my life studying the paranormal that I consider life-altering moments. And one of them was when I first saw objects flying off walls without any visible explanation. Poltergeist-type activity. There was a woman in South Carolina who called me. This was a long time ago. And she said that uh, she was being tormented by these evil spirits at her house. And she was interested in exorcism and all kinds of stuff. So I went down there with my friend and colleague, Mark Ellis Bennett. And the first night we were at her house, which was out in a very rural area, spooky experience, um, Mark and I were sitting on her couch, and she was standing in front of us, and she had this little uh, ceramic dove, decorative dove, hanging on the wall behind her, and that thing just launched off the wall and sort of hit the floor and exploded into pieces, and I mean, you could feel this shockwave that went through the room and uh, it was so intense that, I mean, I was really disappointed I didn't get that on camera. So I went back maybe a week or so later with a big group of guys. And we had video cameras. I mean, Brian Irish was there. And we videotaped objects moving. Uh, primarily, I had a Trifield natural EM meter, which weighs about one pound. Uh, and this thing, it's sort of shaped like, you know, almost like a cube. And we had it sitting on a chair in the corner of the room. And, and uh, Brian and I were in the room, but we were on the opposite side of the room. Brian was filming. And all of a sudden, the meter goes, and you can see the needle go max. And the, the, and the meter itself just goes, it's, it's knocked forward and then up on its side, two perpendicular lines of motion it's quite incredible of all the things that could have been knocked around by this spiritual force it was a meter and um if you go to joshuapwarren.com and click the gallery of the strange then you'll find all kinds of interesting images and video clips and one of them is this clip i'm talking about um i believe you have to just click the section called world's wildest ghost photos and you'll find it there. Um, her case actually ended up in a, a makeshift exorcism where she was flailing around and speaking languages that nobody's ever heard and uh, in, in great anguish. But it didn't seem to work. It didn't seem to work. As a matter of fact, the, the spirit came through so strongly that we... We had to leave her house in a hurry that night, to be honest with you. But um, anyway, um, I've seen objects, you know, move, or I've seen them manipulated by ghostly or, or spiritual energies. And of course, the stuff I'm talking about so far is some pretty uh, unsettling stuff. But I also want to um, to bring up that there are instances where this happens in a more positive way as well. I mean, I am 
often told that people believe a, a benevolent loved one who passed on is trying to signify some kind of communication by maybe leaving little signs around the house uh it's like for example there was this uh one lady i've I've talked to several people who like this one lady said whenever i saw my grandfather uh, he would give me a coin you know whether it was just a nickel he'd pull out of his pocket or occasionally he, he was a coin collector and he'd buy her a coin and so sometimes um when she's thinking of her grandfather or uh or it's some one of those times when maybe it's around the anniversary of his death or something connected to him. Sometimes a coin will just appear in the strangest of places. Sometimes they just fall from the sky, almost like they materialize and land at your feet. I've seen a materialization once, once. That's a, that's another story for another time. But um, nonetheless, uh, there may be occasions when objects are influenced just to some degree to indicate that the essence of that person's energy field is is there and is trying to give you a nod best way it can under the circumstances. And so here, as we approach the middle of October and in our part of the world in particular here in the northern hemisphere we are starting to see that veil thin that boundary thin that i was talking about starting to see the potential for more interaction with those who have passed on those on the other side i want you to keep an eye out this month do you see objects that sort of synchronistically appear in some odd place at some unusual time that might indicate that there is someone on the other side who's trying to to give you one of those nods it could be something very subtle is there a sudden aroma that you smell that you associate with the person who's passed on a perfume flowers cigar smoke a lot of people talk about you know some of the older folks smoking a pipe it's a very distinctive aroma and all of a sudden they just start smelling a pipe out of nowhere this month is the month when you're most likely to have this kind of interaction especially if you want it and so if you want to have some kind of a connection a nod from those who might be on the other side this is the time of year when you should just take a minute or two meditate on that just transmit that idea project that from your mind into the universe into the interdimensional field of energy around your body and then just kick back and wait and see what happens and if it happens it'll probably happen when you least expect it so keep an eye out this month for signs signs from the dead hopefully they will all be good ones 
and you can feel free to share your experiences with me. Uh, my website is joshuapwarren.com. If you scroll down the homepage, you'll find my email address there. And believe it or not, this Saturday, this Saturday, October 13th, 2018, will be my final wishing machine extravaganza. It is in Hollywood, in Los Angeles. I hope you can come there and hang out with me. I guarantee you, you will have a blast. Um, the information is on the website. They're joshuapwarren.com. No period after the P. And you'll also find a link to this podcast. It's called Joshua P. Warren Daily. Always short, always free. You can subscribe through various means or just follow me on Twitter at Joshua P. Warren, at Joshua P. Warren, and I will tweet when a new one is available. So thank you for listening. Thank you for your interest and support. Thank you for staying curious. And I will talk to you again soon.